Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate this space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. Now, we're excited to reward you with a very special offer brought to you by our friends at Prime. Visit the announcement channel on our Discord to learn how you can receive a one-time trading bonus equal to 50% of your deposit amount. Exciting times indeed. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-settled account. PrimeXPT gives experienced traders up to 100x leverage to multiply their capital while also providing users with multiple order types, low trading fees, and ultra-high liquidity to equip them with a -a one-of-a-kind trading experience. Registration does not require any user information, so visit the link below and start trading on Prime XPT in minutes. You'll be hearing much more about Prime XPT here and why we're so excited about the products they already offer, including a one-of-a-kind BTC and Ethereum options trading platform called Turbo and an upcoming co-vesting product that will give traders and investors alike an entirely unique opportunity to multiply their capital. Much more on Prime XPT to come. But in the meantime, we want to thank all of our community and the Prime XPT team for making this partnership possible. Now for the show. Today we have a special look behind the curtain at Voyager, the publicly traded Canadian crypto brokerage house that's making waves across the industry. We talk in-depth with Voyager's chief marketing officer, Amateo, and marketing director, Tess, to learn more about the unique features Voyager brings to both retail and institutional segments. We get additional insights into the current EU competition from Adrian and his home base in Poland, and set the stage for why the global crypto community is so excited to see Voyager expand into markets worldwide. Additionally, we learn how Voyager CEO Steve Ehrlich frames crypto for the old guard from his days at E-Trade, and why Voyager is so excited to have acquired the talents of Shingo Levine and the rest of the Ethos Brain Trust, and what they have in store for the coming months. In addition to earning 6% APR in USDC, as well as the ability to execute commissionless trades in an uber-stable trading environment, you will learn so much more about what the Voyager team can do for you in this episode of The Nest Show. Thank you for listening and enjoy the ride. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of The Nest Show. And today we are joined by a very special guest from Voyager. We're joined by Amateo, who is the head of marketing at Voyager. Amateo, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, market's back on the rise and we're in interesting times. So uh, lots to talk about today. Yes, it is. And yes, they are. And uh, additionally, we are joined by Tess, who is a marketing director at Voyager. Tess, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having us. As always, we are so happy to have Adrian on the show, Crypto Burb himself. Adrian, what's going on? Yeah, all, all great. I'm very excited to have everybody here on this very podcast. And well, it's it's going to be a great pleasure to hear what's cooking on, on the Voyager side, because, well, I'm pleased to have known uh, you know, Tess and Matteo for some time already, and I'm extremely happy to hear what's good and what's new. 
Well, uh, we're excited to be here. You're a gentleman and a scholar, Mr. Burb. So <laughs> this is going to be great. Amateo, I'd love for you to open it up for our listeners as more than likely you will be able to say it much better than I will. For listeners who are brand spanking new to Voyager, what should they know about your project and why should they be so excited about what you offer? Voyager, in essence, uh, can be accessed uh, as a mobile app on the iOS and, and Android Play Store. What makes Voyager unique is we are a crypto broker. Um, a lot of people are sort of familiar with interacting with crypto, uh, interfacing with the exchanges directly. But at uh, Voyager, we do things a bit differently. The sort of in, inside Voyager, uh, we have what's called a smart order router. And what that smart order router does is it routes uh, all of the orders that come through Voyager to an array of various exchanges, liquidity providers, and market makers. Um, so we have this very sort of widespread liquidity pool that we pull from, and then we, we consolidate that liquidity. We make it accessible to provide our customers what we call best execution. Um, meaning that we're going to be able to survey the market uh, and 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 get a better price on crypto. We're also going to be able to execute those orders extremely quickly, and uh, you know make sure that uh, each customer does not miss a market movement. And while that may sound a little complex, part of what also makes Voyager unique is we bundle up that uh, sort of advanced functionality in a really simple and easy to use interface. You can get started on Voyager in. in in just a couple minutes. I mean, it's a very quick process to get signed up with. Uh, and then after that, we got access to over 30 coins and uh, three stable coins. Because we are a broker, we're able to do and provide a, uh, an array of functionalities that other exchanges can't, including paying interest on crypto. That's something that our customers absolutely love is the ability to uh, earn interest on their crypto. And they can do that completely passively. There's no lockups and there's no limits. So if you hold your your assets on Voyager for those that we support interest on, you're just going to automatically get paid out on that on a monthly basis. So yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot to talk about here, but, uh, you know, Voyager is definitely a unique product in this marketplace. Um, I will say this just real quickly. Um, our CEO, Steve Ehrlich has some really cool legacy market experience. Uh, he was the president of brokerage at E-Trade and, uh, you know, had a lot of involvement in sort of digitizing, uh, the broker market model for the legacy market, right? Because there was that time and place where everyone bought and sold stocks by uh, placing an order in a war room that was very loud and very chaotic. And now, you know, it went to uh, people's desktops, to people's laptops, and now to people's mobile devices. Well, we really wanted to, you know, short circuit that uh, technological evolution that the legacy market went through to introduce that uh, as, as, a, as a customer-focused product product in Voyager. Yeah, and that's uh, absolutely no small order to make that transition for E-Trade. So that's a very confidence-inspiring uh, set of history there. Uh, Amateo Ortes, I'd love to get your thoughts on some of the cursory reading that I've been doing in the homework for this episode. When Voyager purports to be a turnkey solution for both retail and institutional investors in crypto, what specific set of services or where would the two uh, diverge for the offering between retail and institutional investors and kind of what is your unique value proposition in that arena? 
we have, as you, you mentioned, this two-layer product, right? So the retail is our crypto app that uh, you know currently is available in the U.S. We are working on international expansion. Uh, it's coming in hot. We're working on it. We've got a lot of pent-up demand and a lot of people who are really excited to use the product uh, from all over the world. So so we're we're you know steadfast at that. But I you know I mentioned that smart order router technology that connects to these market makers and, and these liquidity providers. What our institutional product does, it's a suite of uh, APIs that people can plug into where they can process transactions through that smart order router and take advantage of the Voyager technology and IP. And we have some really cool partners uh, that... that uh, have built systems to do that. Uh, one of them is, is that we are working on debuting very soon is with Market Rebellion with the notorious Pete and John Nigerian. Um, and we uh, also have another company, uh, as an example, Sterling Trading Tech, that is essentially building the Voyager crypto trading functionality into their already existing uh, trading dashboard. So uh, it just really allows institutions to be able to take advantage of this technology a big focus right now has been giving the power to legacy market traders and investors uh, an access point into crypto through the portals that they're already familiar with interacting with for their like uh, investment behavior. Yeah. And again, you know, especially where the United States is concerned in Canada, you know, some of the barriers to entry or regulatory concerns are about as high as the eye can see. So the fact that you guys are publicly traded in a Canadian market, you know, and available here in the United States is is really uh, an achievement in and unto itself before you get started with the rest of the global community. So hats off to you in that regard. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a tall order uh, getting regulated in the United States. Um, but we're uh, licensed and regulated to operate in 49 states. We're currently working on New York, the infamous bit license. Um, and we put all of our customers through a KYC process. And uh, based on, as Amate was saying, Steve's background coming from the legacy markets and uh, brokerage world, it was really important for us to follow all the rules and be a leader in the space and really help build trust. And um, that was a big part of us deciding to go public as a company as well. Just showing transparency in what we we're doing, reporting, being audited quarterly. Like I said, it's a lot of work. It's not an easy process, but we really feel like it's worth it for our investors and also our customers to have that accountability on our end. Was Steve coming from his legacy background at E-Trade? I wonder, have, have either of you witnessed any conversations with a would-be partner? And, and boardrooms, et cetera, where he is able to connect with other former partners from the old guard and legacy markets or more traditional fiat markets and elucidate some of the finer points of the value proposition of crypto and kind of why it is, at the very least, a big piece on the board in the global financial system structure. Steve sometimes calls himself the old man of crypto <laughs> or the gray hair in the room. Uh, you know, he's he, he makes light uh, of that, you know, because he just has so much legacy market experience. He's a really agile and charismatic guy. So, you know, when he has these conversations with legacy market people uh, and he presents about Voyager, one of the things that we see ubiquitously is that some of the old guard, if you will, <laughs> has uh, a lot of interest in crypto already. They are interested. 
They want to know. At the same time, uh, some of them have difficulty in getting exposure to it. Well, like, you know, some of the funds, et cetera. It's not easy. There's a lot of hurdles. And that's part of why uh, there's a lot of interest in in us as a public company and our stock is because it allows some of the uh, old guard to get exposure to crypto without necessarily even owning the asset. That's a big piece. Um, but but essentially, when he presents the value props of Bitcoin and crypto, I would say that they maybe don't necessarily understand the nuances and community aspect. I don't think they fully understand the virality, the community interest. But what they do know is the performance, the growth and the institution. So when you sort of combine our Voyager growth with the growth of the market and what you're seeing and all of the news and all of the press, it's it's very difficult to ignore. So I would say that it really doesn't take much convincing from what I've seen. If anything, uh, they're very hungry to understand more um, and they're very eager to get involved and participate. And that kind of goes to what we were also uh, mentioning in this podcast around you know retail interest uh, uh, and and a demographic that is a little bit older coming in as well um, it's it's you know I talked a lot about the maturation of crypto this is no longer this fringe technology that is on the periphery that people are afraid of it is a technology that people are embracing they understand is like a radical necessity well, legacy markets and new alike the fear of missing out is very real no one wants to miss the wave because we've never seen an asset like it I mean that's just what's so crazy there's nothing else that comes close. So yeah, Tess, anything else you want to chime in on there? It's such a great question. I think you covered in terms of how people have normally responded to crypto from our perspective. I will say something, you know, from the beginning that we kind of pitched to people and worked on driving this narrative is that we've seen this before in some ways. While it's so revolutionary, we've seen markets mature and change and back to the e-trade days of things, there was never online trading before that. You had to call your broker. It was a very difficult process that not a lot of people have access to. So he kind of explains crypto as the next step to that, You know, things fully going digital and now even more people being able to gain access to investments in a new asset class. So there's a lot of parallels and that's something he's been able to highlight really well and something we try to do too with our brokerage model and best execution and kind of merging these legacy market structures into what we're doing now. When we were talking pre-show, I heard a little bit of dialogue on the juggernaut in the room, uh, which is Coinbase. And of course, for uh, many retail investors here in the United States, including myself, Coinbase was the gateway or kind of on-ramp for my initial investment in crypto. And and from there, I was able to kind of expand into other products and exchanges, which now see the bulk of my trading. But still, when necessary, I will use Coinbase. And it's kind of been a a love-hate relationship, especially, you know, in regards to some of their fees. I I just wanted to to give you a chance to speak to kind of where Voyager sizes up against the the big bad. Um, Would love to hear you speak on that. Yeah, I think that describes a lot of people's relationship with Coinbase. I mean, they were an early mover and they've done a lot for the space. And like you said, they've been an on-ramp for so many people. We like to think of ourselves as the next step, like you're saying, you know, maybe the first place someone discovers crypto is through Coinbase, but um, maybe they get tired of the fees and they're looking for 
something with a little bit more access and functionality. And I think that's where we come in. For one, we are commission-free, which is a, a big value prop of ours. Um, because of our smart order routing technology, we're able to save our customers money on their trades and get them a really good price in the market that executes quick and with uh, security. There's been a lot of chatter recently about Coinbase having outages and, and different downtimes during times of extreme volatility. And for us, that's a time where we really, really thrive. We're connected to multiple exchanges and market makers and our smart, smart order router is able to search our entire liquidity pool and market within seconds and find the best place to execute it trade. So if one of our providers went down, it would instantly route to the next. So we're really able to capitalize on those times of volatility. And it's crypto. That's, you know, that's kind of the whole point. It moves quick, it moves fast, it drops a thousand dollars in a day. And we really think our customers need to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? So Voyager, again, has a unique proposition as a brokerage to allow for liquidity draws from from many different exchanges worldwide. Does that include OTC services as well? Yes, it does. Uh, we, we, yeah, we have market makers and OTC services uh, that we draw from, but all of it's done in an automated format of execution. So um, as a public company, and because uh, the router is a big part of our IP, we don't uh, necessarily disclose all of those who are in our liquidity network, but it's it's vast and it's fast. <laughs> Adrian, I'd love to bring you in on kind of your perception of the Voyager product from Poland and what you are experiencing, you know, kind of in the uh, greater EU space. I mean, I, I was uh, so fascinated to find that currently there really isn't an answer to Coinbase in the EU, you know, or a commiserate product. How are your first dollars uh, invested in into crypto and what would you describe as the Voyager alternative there in uh, Europe? Here in Poland, we don't really have any serious broker. We don't even have any like serious exchange, okay? You don't even have any any actual well, legit market to trade Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency, right? There's perhaps like one exchange that is called BitBay. Uh, to be fair, okay, I've never used them, so I I, I have no idea they are even around still. But uh, well, there were, there was a case that they were, you know, just based in Poland, they were located in Poland. But obviously for all the regulatory issues that I mentioned, well, they kind of like had to had to actually just move their company to, well, to some tax havens, you know, places like Seychelles, right? Uh, to the best of my memory, or Mal, or yeah, I believe it was Seychelles. But yeah, it doesn't even matter because, well, the fact is that it's still zero. It's still round zero for us, for Polish people, to uh, for for the places to trade crypto, and this is terrible. I'm literally like devastated for, and that's a that's a shame. And that's a shame because, well, there is a there is a Voyager. That actually just solves this problem, you know, in my opinion, perfectly. And uh, and there is, well, no actual news allowed, I would say, in Poland about it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, when we talk about taking Voyager International, uh, a lot of people think we're just going to flick on a switch. You know, we're just going to say, uh, Brazil, here you go, you know, and, and Poland, here you go. Um, it's, it's, it's much, much different than that because uh, as you just highlighted, uh, there, there's probably a lot of regulatory hurdles and the regulatory hurdles from every country is different. 
right? There's different policies, there's different laws, there's different guidelines. So with all of the countries that we have in the world, and many of which have interest in getting access into the cryptocurrency market, uh, it's, it's, it is, uh, there's a lot of challenge involved in order to do it. Now, I will say this, it's not an, a challenge that intimidates us as a company, you know, as Tess was highlighting, like due to Steve's uh, background and, and working with regulators for so long, uh, we feel comfortable to tackle these international markets, um, but it takes time. It takes resource. It takes uh, a lot of legal insight to make sure that we do things right. You know, we, one of the things that we've seen, particularly with derivatives exchanges in derivatives and, and, and you know, leverage exchanges in, in the, uh, the crypto market is this sort of musical chair game, right, where one of them pops up and everyone sort of rushes there while it's hot and then an issue arises, maybe it's insolvency, uh, uh, you know, who knows, then boom, it starts to lose traction and then everyone jumps ship to the next one. That is not a game we're, you know, interested in playing whatsoever. We're interested in being here to stay and we're interested in, in, in doing things right from the jump in every single country to have this lasting effect in this, this global coverage. Um, and I'll just add to that, that uh, part of why someone who's new to crypto may really want a broker. The way that crypto works now, and, and, our, and our CEO really highlights this a lot, um, if you were to talk to someone about trading in the legacy market, and you were to say, you know, do you trade stocks? And they would say, sure. And I say, do you trade with the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ directly? Uh, do you do you log into the NASDAQ website? Do you log into the New York Stock Exchange website? Uh, the answer that the vast majority of those people would say in response is no. I log into uh, Ameritrade. I log into E-Trade, right? These are brokerage platforms that allows you to connect into these uh, sort of substantiated markets. And so that layer of infrastructure did not exist in cryptocurrency uh, until recently. You know, um, th this, this industry has matured so much over the last uh, several years. I mean, it's incredible. And as a part of that maturation, you know, we saw the opportunity to introduce the brokerage to this market where it really didn't exist uh, at a consumer-facing level that, that could be scaled widespread. Are you aware of any actual restriction that uh, any, well, crypto broker needs to, needs to actually just like fight or, or <laughs> struggle to, to meet or like in the European, I would say, zone or be it in Poland, be it in Holland, right? And then the Netherlands or Portugal, which is, well, to the best of my knowledge, now, one of the best hubs for crypto people, just like any other Netherlands, I would say spot, right? These are, I guess, to the best of my memory, the best, I would say, wannabe places for crypto traders. And uh, how's it like on your end with regard to spotting perhaps some increased interest, I mean, for the countries, other like any specific nationalities, countries that there is a greatest interest, interest like coming towards uh, the Voyager we have a lot of interest uh, from the Netherlands. That just tends to be such a crypto hotspot. Um, 
uh, a lot of interest and pent-up demand there. As Tess mentioned, we have a lot of interest from Canada. And I would say that we have a sort of a sprinkling of interest just across the EU as a whole. Um, Tess, any other places that you feel like deserve highlighting? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like you said, Canada, I think especially because um, of our public listing in Canada, we have a ton of interest coming from there and in Europe, Europe as a whole also. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I think uh, what we're going to see is people want access to crypto. <laughs> Our current economic times really entail that uh, crypto is something that's very important to be made to the people. And so we're completely uh, fine with working with regulations as we stand today, um, but we also really expect to see regulations really continue to evolve to accommodate this digital currency space. Um, and especially in reference to, to the access of blockchain and the efficiency of digital assets. Um, there's just a, a, an efficiency element that uh, it cannot be argued with. And I think uh, as we start to see sort of the retail FOMO side uh, kick in, you know, once again, um, but this time uh, in a very different uh, environment, right? Because uh, I remember in 2017, and that was the year I got into crypto. I, I am not that much of a of a legacy guy, you know. I'm early by some standards and 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 late to the party by others. But uh, when I saw the market take off in 2017, based on all the research I had done and how early all these ICOs were, I remember telling myself, "This is exciting. This is crazy. But this is a bummer because it's too early." And uh, it was just obvious that things hadn't matured quite yet. I think now we're in a very different place. Um, and I think that now that we have this mature market, there's so much more infrastructure. Um, there's so much uh, greater ease of transactability um, and, and market access and uh, institutions that are involved that uh, as we see this market FOMO from the retail and institutional side kick in, I expect to see the same from the political side and uh, regulations come in to meet uh, because no one's going to want to be left behind the digital asset revolution. I'm going to tell you, you bring up some great points there. And I wanted to follow up, you know, on both the growth of the crypto space on the global scale, but also the growth of Voyager in-house, especially with bringing on uh, Shingo Levine from Ethos and what the addition of his capacity as chief blockchain officer, as well as the technology suite that the Ethos community has brought to the Voyager table and additionally follow up on the VGX token utility and what that means for users. So if you could speak to the growth of Voyager by that partnership and by Shingo joining the talent pool, I'd love to hear more about building out that product. I'm proud to share that I was originally an Ethos guy before the Voyager acquisition. So I joined Ethos right before the app was about to launch. Um, and the acquisition of Ethos happened right on the the precipice of the Voyager app launching. So I've had the honor of being able to uh, help grow both products from the beginning. Ethos was uh, very interesting and is very interesting for a couple things. You know, there is this necessity of self-custody in crypto, right? We always hear this 
phrase, not your keys, not your crypto. And uh, there's definitely uh, a truth to that phrase to to an extent. And I, and I say that meaning, yes, when it comes to self-custody, you do control that. But after working in the self-custody realm for a very long time, uh, and and also working with Voyager as a brokerage, we really believe that customers need to have the option of choosing your own custody. Um, you know, custodizing with a broker uh, gives you some fail safes, um, and nothing's worse than losing your private key. And I have to say, I've had to you know sort of coach some people who've went through that. So you know, I think by some standpoints, many people are ready for self custody, and I would say I don't know if we're quite ready for the majority of people. So we need this sort of choose your own custody journey uh, in in crypto with custodizing with a broker. Uh, it gives you this ability to earn interest and do these other things. In the future, as a part of our roadmap, uh, we'll be integrating this ethos self-custody technology into Voyager so you have the choice. You know, Do you want to store it in a wallet you control? Do you want to transfer it into the broker and then make it liquid? As well as uh, have trading from self-custody. And this functionality of moving from self-custody, uh, trading from self-custody, uh, there's going to be the ability to use the token to help power those transactions. When Ethos created their wallet system, at the heart of it and, and behind the scenes, what was called Ethos Bedrock. Bedrock is really cool. It's a, it's a blockchain abstraction technology where we essentially plug in a multitude of blockchains, abstract them, and not only make that data that we can extract all of these blockchains easily accessible and hard-coded, but then take that bedrock technology and be able to stack a variety of blockchains, unlock a wallet to a variety of them with a single private key that's highly secure. Uh, Shingo was a big part of just being the genius behind that um, and really uh, probably one of the greatest minds I've ever met when it comes to really understanding the intricacies of blockchain. So, you know, you can't be a crypto broker without being a, a, a having blockchain expert on the team. And that's, that's really what Shingo provides. So Steve, uh, our CEO, uh, understands the value and power of acquisitions. And this is something that we uh, he has done previously in his career. So the acquisition of Ethos uh, allowed us to bring in those customers. Um, and actually, to touch on something that Adrian was saying earlier, many of those customers are actually from the EU, from the Netherlands. And so we've got some of that pent-up demand as we go live for them. Um, but it allowed us to bring that wallet technology. We still, you know, the app is still available where you can access it. It's a really great wallet app. But then we're also able to use the backbone of that technology, Bedrock, to power some of the features on Voyager. And uh, a whole bunch of the tech and talent, including yours truly, got to got to come over. So, um, you know, it was just such a great choice. Uh, so many amazing team members that we get to work with day in and day out. It was really this perfect partnership. And uh, and then on the heels of that, we also did a, a, another acquisition recently, which was of Circle Invest. Uh, you know, many people are familiar with Circle, and Circle had their own uh, broker app called Circle Invest and Circle, you know, made the choice that it was they really wanted to focus on their payment services and their stablecoin. So we went through an acquisition with them. Uh, this just happened in the last couple months. You know, it was uh, hard work for Tess and I, but it was very worth it. And we got to migrate uh, over forty thousand of those accounts over to Voyager. They're just loving the the experience. So really, really cool stuff.
That's a great boon. And I'm so glad that you touched on the importance of custodial options with kind of a a choose your own journey option. And that brings me to a really exciting feature for Voyager that I know that listeners are going to respond to. And that's the Voyager interest program, which at the time of speaking, users can earn 6% APR USDC with the Voyager custodial option. I feel like that's a unique and largely unheralded feature. I mean, not to sound like grandpa, but 6%, especially in this economy, is nothing to shake your finger at. If you could enlighten our listeners on anything regarding the Voyager interest program, I I know they'd be delighted. Like you said, the current environment right now isn't giving customers in their bank accounts and, you know, really anywhere that type of interest, not even close. Um, A lot of places are are pretty close to zero right now. So we see this as a, a really big differentiator for us. And our customers are really, really love it, especially the fact that uh, their crypto stays liquid. So they can hold their, you know, we now offer 14 coins, interest on 14 different coins. They can hold any of those in their account and earn monthly interest on it and still be able to trade, take their money out when they need to. The only requirement is holding a monthly minimum balance, uh, which is a pretty low threshold and no maximums on how much they can earn. So 6% on USDC is one thing. But three and a half percent on BTC is pretty awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of a friend, actually the friend who got me into crypto. You know, he's would be considered a whale by some, but he has 50 BTC that he never touches. He never trades it, just sitting on cold storage. And three and a half percent of 50 BTC uh, annually is like somewhere around like. 1.8 BTC, which if things keep on going the the way they are, then, you know, we can all agree that that'll be, you know, a considerable gain. I mean, uh, that's, the, that's the thing. The majority of Bitcoin hasn't moved in a variety of wallets in a very long time. When we first opened Voyager, we were very curious to see, you know, what percentage of customers will trade BTC versus hold BTC. And uh, of course, we see a ton of trading volume on Bitcoin. I mean, people just love to trade Bitcoin. I think there's something about Bitcoin that just invigorates traders. Uh, It kind of gives this avant-garde asset that people just love to chart. I mean, there's something about it that's really special, but so many people love to hold it. You know, we have people who who uh, transfer uh, large quantities of BTC to take advantage of that interest uh, because it, it makes a huge difference for them over the long haul. And if there's one thing that we know, we know that Bitcoin is a long game. And you mentioned that, that you know, was it 1.8 or 1.3 over 12 months? And that's just one year. And, and keep in mind, too, that because you're able to trade that BTC and we're taking that average balance over the course of a month, that snapshot isn't taking an annual basis. It's compounding every month. Yeah, we're rolling the the earnings that you got the previous month into the next month. And so that also makes a huge difference. And I think it's also, you know, for people like your friend who are holding Bitcoin, it's a great option. And as Amateo said, we've seen a lot of, since launching our interest program, a lot of big transfers like that, people who are really uh, looking to earn a little extra Bitcoin, but also for people who aren't necessarily as big into crypto, maybe it's their first time dabbling in the space, USDC or one of our other stable coin options is, you know, a really good place for them to hold their cash or in 6% interest, like we said, where, you know, you can't really find anything close to that anymore, especially with no lockups. I mean, especially me, like I like to have, you know, any accommodations for any possible scenario. 
sitting with cash in the bank right now, you know, makes sense in in some outcomes, but I am much, I feel like I have much more control over that USD when it's in a digital coin, you know, like when it's in a USDC or, or even tether, whatever the stable coin is, I, at this point, you know, with the, the, with the banking environment, I'm much more uh, comfortable having it, you know, on an exchange or having it in a personal wallet, you know, more than I am, you know, keeping a, just a a minimum, you know, operating balance in an actual, uh, you know, checking account. It's kind of crazy to hear that, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago to hear someone say that would be really wild, but I think the environment we're in, especially right now, people are losing a little bit of their faith, I think, in in big banks and and central banks and with all the money that's being printed and everything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear you say that. It's definitely something we're expecting to see more of in the future. Yeah, there's something about the efficiency of it that's just remarkable, right? Like to send you money through stable coins, it, it's just so efficient. And then to park it, be able to earn interest, uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And to be able to then be able to move in and out of, of Bitcoin if I want to, it's, it's a fascinating time. And I think one of the things that was prophesized to be like a big part of crypto mass adoption is payment providers. Um, and I think a lot of people have often said, you know, why would a merchant accept crypto because the volatility has so much risk. And I think that one, stable coins are an option. And two, people don't necessarily realize that there's all of these payment services right now where I pay someone with crypto and it's instantly converted on their end uh, with no risk, whether that's converted in from you know Ethereum to a stable coin or what have you. I think people are going to wake up one day and be sort of broadsided by how much crypto has found its way into mainstream adoption. Um, and that's what they say about exponential evolution, right? The the trend looks like and feels like things aren't happening until it explodes and it's everywhere. And it seems like, right, that it's the old phrase, uh, it takes 10 years to blow up overnight. I think that that's what we have ahead of us. It's so true. It's just so funny how many ways the cultural fabric changes more slowly than we would anticipate, but faster than we could fathom. Before I let you guys go, I want to be sure that our listeners have a good understanding of the utility of the VGX token. We are looking at a variety of features and we've been testing things as well. Um, we want the VGX token to be able to power various functionality. So I mentioned like um, once we introduce self-custody into the app, go from going from self-custody to the brokerage directly and back to self-custody can be a little bit of uh, of a transactional complexity. We want the, the VGX token to help power that transaction process. We want the users to be able to earn rewards and be able to hold uh, the token in order to access additional functionality. So we really see it as being sort of uh, a core element of, you know, uh, hold VGX and, and, and be able to access extra interest hold VGX and be able to uh, get a reduction of fees, Um, be able to use VGX to pay for fees, 
be able to uh, transact and use VGX to unlock additional features that we introduce in the future. Um, we're always looking to enhance features. And one of the things that really makes Voyager different and unique is we're always listening to our customers. You know, you can reach out to us and you're going to get a human back. That is something that we really take pride in. But in order to, to build a crypto product that not only customers want, but that doesn't even ex exist fully yet. We have to listen to the customers and we have to study them. Um, we do a ton of market research. We do a ton of looking at the data. We want to know how are customers wanting to utilize crypto? How are they going to use it in the future? Um, and at the core of being able to access these features, some of them are going to require, uh, you know, powering transactions. Some of them are going to require fees. We want to put VGX at the core of that um, so that you can use the token to access the full suite of what the product offers and also uh, save money. If you trade a certain amount, we want to do cashback rewards. Um, and this is something that we've tested a little bit already uh, where you, you do some trading on Voyager and you get uh, a certain amount of of Voyager tokens back. So you, we really look at this as, as both a reward suite and benefit suite, and then also tools for powering transaction functionality for efficiency sake and, uh, and uh, for cost savings. First of all, we're actually just merging these two topics that we've just discussed. Uh, the actual customer trends in a way, right? Because, well, there's, it is, it is obvious that, well, the, the market, the, the crypto adoption itself, it takes time, it takes generations to be fair, uh, and invisible changes tend to take years, right, to actually just appear on the surface and then provide the, you know, the audience with some visible changes. But to be fair, pretty interested to know with what and to what extent this insane Bitcoin volatility on March 12th to 14th to 14th influence your, I would say, your customer well, interest, was there any actual interest? Because, well, this is kind of like what, what I can say on my end, okay? I could see a very unique, uh, well, market phenomenon in a way, because before that I had never seen so much interest or like for, for, for the crypto, for the Bitcoin from the retail traders. And it was like truly special because, well, mostly it's uh, it's kind of like opposite. The, the retail traders, the the well individual traders they tend to follow the you know the crowd they tend to follow the peer pressure with uh you know with FOMO fear of missing out or FUD right the fear fear uncertainty and depression and uh and this was kind of like very unique well it showed you know it showed itself in a chart for Bitcoin obviously we're against USD but um all I mean is like entire like crypto community just kind of like shifted because if you remember there was like half of market liquidated back then half of market was completely gone just simply just like that like within a matter of a couple of hours and uh and i feel completely brand new money just uh well just kind of like flew in back then and uh how how was it looking on the, on your end i would say the very beginnings of march in march like you were saying as the pandemic really started to uh take hold of the traditional stock market and the economy there was obviously that first crash and then it you know started to skyrocket again but we've seen over the past 3 months or so really really exponential growth in terms of new users coming to the platform large amounts of assets under management growing it's been really interesting to see i mean and like you touched on too i think the sentiment in the market um and amongst the crypto community has really shifted too 
and all of that combining with the having was um, a pretty remarkable thing. So we've definitely seen a lot of interest in, I'd say primarily Bitcoin. Um, but now as the altcoins are starting to pick up, we're seeing some traction there as well too. When this pandemic started and we are not naive to some of the economic impact that is uh, affecting people all over the world. And we're very aware of it. And at first, when we saw, you know, some of the economic impact that was going to be coming, we didn't know, right? You never know how crypto was going to react. And we had this huge market dump across global markets across the board. And, you know, we we think that there was a big part of de-risking involved, you know, basically institutions and major players pulling out money, causing uh, uh, cascading liquidations, et cetera, et cetera. At Voyager, we prosper on volatility in either direction. It's really about the trade activity that that caused, you know, it's it's the transactional volume that benefits us as a, as a company. Um, so, you know, we thrive on volatility, but we didn't know what was going to happen with the retail side of of the customer. All of a sudden, this dip happens, and as Tess mentioned, we're leading into the having, and we see this enormous amount of retail interest. The amount of customer support tickets we've seen around people wanting to help their grandma, <laughs> their grandpa, their uncle, their dad, their mom, something changed in crypto during this time. And it's all, all eyes on Bitcoin. People are watching. They're interested. And we can honestly say that retail is, is investing very aggressively. Um, we're excited to see it. We think it's a great opportunity. You know, we want everyone to manage the risk accordingly. But uh, it's a very unique and exciting time, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, all I can say, you know, is this is uh, this is actually just great that you're that you're actually like agreeing with that, because, well, like the fact that that Bitcoin itself, I thought. Like I'm speaking, you know, from my technical analyst, like market perspective, I think there was a significant like change in the market structure, just like we kind of like already touched upon, right? Because see, if there is a, a very recent drop also on Bitcoin, I mean, on the, on this lower time frame, right? The one, well, that kind of like rejected this uh, this move uh, like above 10, 10.4k, right, for Bitcoin. All the markets reacted in a very similar manner. I mean, all the markets commodities, right? like gold, silver, they were all like very aggressively like picking. And uh, well, at the moment there were, they came a news, uh, well, pretty much on the, on the, on the market that also made what we can also assume uh, or call like the risking, right? Some, some capital, the risking uh, or, or just simply taking some parts of a table. I think this is, this is extremely, this is extremely like fundamentally positive for Bitcoin, especially for, for the long-term trends, because what we know is, well, the fundamentals are what actually creates and thrives for, to deliver the long-term, I would say the longevity for, for Bitcoin, right? While all the technical, well, changes, technical movements on the smaller timeframes on lower timeframes, they tend to drive, you know, all the lower, lower scale fluctuations. It's still fundamentals. And, and the actual, well, interest from institutional money that actually just pushes the Bitcoin. I think this is this is what we all agree that, well, there has been a definite change in the market structure. And, uh, well, I think this is a change for bullish, but for bullish and for better. I couldn't help myself like to just touch upon the, the, the amazing meeting that we had in Las Vegas last year on, uh, you know, on World Crypto Conference. If, you know, for, for, every, for every listener to... 
to today's podcast if they if they go to the burdens.com on the homepage there is a picture well of me standing right uh with with an amazing voyager like a wall uh right behind me i was having a very 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 great time you know uh while just discussing uh discussing well the the overall i would say situation and, and trend back then in october and uh, not sure, can't recall if you if you were attending perhaps my my keynote that I held on this crypto IQ stage with Charlie Shrem. Um, but I was talking. This was October, and I was talking about uh, the actual. I think we were trading at the very similar prices that we are trading today. I was also like bringing this idea of seasonality for Bitcoin uh, that for the majority of times. Uh, in Bitcoin's history, tends you know to push Bitcoin towards like some large movements and large reversals, some large pivots on the market around December's, around December's and and you know May, April, May, and uh, it's amazing how Bitcoin actually just follows and has followed this very same time again in this year, uh, during this year you know this this actual movement right because we truly reversed back then in in December like bouncing off the 6400 level all the way up to 10.5 right then well then another swing towards down uh towards down right that actually just ended up providing us with an amazing buying opportunity around like 3800s what's best that changed like the best what one best change that since since our great meeting and time in vegas well has happened to to the voyager and to your well to your team to your crew like what's what's best new? That's a great question. I will say that I think that you, Mr. Burb, are uh, uniquely talented at really, really understanding cyclical market structures. When you post your charts, it's always I, it's like I never fail to learn something. You understand and are able to pull back and see things, and I think it's it's uh, really fascinating. It's not fair that you're all we're also by far the best dressed man at that event. Compliments aside, I think I think it's really been our steadfast just growth. We did because of of pandemic and things we did take the company fully remote cuz our headquarters were in New York. Nothing has slowed down for us. If anything, we've continued to just ramp up. You know, you mentioned something earlier about the the sort of time it takes to introduce things in crypto. And historically, things have been very slow. For us, we've been able to deliver features and functionality so fast. Um, you know, we figure out something that is going to be perfect for our customers. We ship it within a month or two. Um, I mean, it's really uh, amazing what our developers engineers are able to produce. I would say it's our growth test. What, what do you think? I tend to agree. I mean, the, when we were in Vegas, we launched the Android app, I think the day we got there, Amateo. Um, and so that obviously exposed us to uh, half of the retail market we hadn't been able to service yet. Um, so since then, we've seen huge growth in terms of customers. And as we touched on earlier, we also acquired Circle Invest, which was a huge project and allowed us to really grow our customer base again. So we also had the interest program, I think, launching just around that time too in October when we were in Vegas. So yeah, I think there's been a lot of growth, um, a lot of craziness in the world, and and we've all adapted to being remote and continue to push forward. So I, I'm really proud of the team and how we performed under the circumstances. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Tess. And I would just say uh, a big part of that has just been like we have such a loyal, amazing community and customer base. People are so supportive and passionate. Um, 
I think a big, you know, what was so great about Vegas is we got to like hang out personally and, and make that connection. And, and, um, and, uh, I think people feel like that's there for them too, as a part of this company. And, uh, and it's just, it's just a real treat to, to feel like we get to cultivate a community, um, and, you know, be, uh, an industry leader here, uh, in this digital asset revolution, right? Like our, uh, uh, we, we just see so many real world assets that will be digitized on the blockchain. We see the future of the fungibility between crypto and, and stocks and other assets. And we're going to be right here um, at the sort of juxtaposition of this event horizon. And it's, it's, a, it's a unique time. Folks, you've been awesome today. And I, Tess, Amateo, Adrian, I appreciate all of your time. I would love to hear what you would like listeners to be left with in terms of Voyager and what you're most excited about for Voyager with the upcoming roadmap. Yeah, on the roadmap, we are, you know, constantly working to create new features that our customers are looking for. Um, so there's a lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline. Um, nothing I'm going to give away just yet. Um, but working on just continuing to deliver what our customers are asking for, expanding, um, their access to the market and different features. So where we are right now with crypto, I think we're at a really exciting time and the tides are shifting a bit and we're seeing, you know, more traditional institutions get involved and more retail investors. And we're really excited about what's to come. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm really excited to uh, just continue to just break the mold with Voyager on what we can deliver to the world in a crypto product. I, I think Tess mentioned more coins, more unique features that we're able to deliver to. Some of the things I talked about today are really exciting. I think the thing that excites me most is just the fact that I believe that we are on the precipice of uh, a major change in the way that we transact within a global economy. I know that for many of us who are passionate about crypto, uh, we've sort of been beating the drum. No Knowing that there was a, a fairer and more empowering economy that was accessible to people. I feel like this world is that, and I feel like we get to be a gateway to that. So I would actually say the thing that I'm really most excited about is international. I'm excited about putting Voyager in the hands of just people all over the world. Um, I know that Adrian was expressing the challenges he's had where he's lived, and I, it's just a big pain point. I think that there's a lot of people who are sort of not able to access this market with ease and with complexity or feel like the barrier to entry is so high. And I want to just just uh, remove those pain points uh, the way we know how to best, which is put something simple and accessible um, and, and being mobile first is a part of that because so many people all around the world have now embraced mobile technology in their hands. Um, and and uh, with that, uh, you know, I think that we will be a, a really big player in that movement. Maybe most importantly is, is what the movement represents and the way that that movement can sort of re-sculpt the way that we interact with each other and the way that we transact with each other. Uh, because I think that there's a lot of room for improvement there. And there's a lot of inefficiencies that I think that this technology solves. And uh, I want to see that those uh, those inefficiencies resolved uh, with this technology the way that it knows how to best. 
Yeah, uh, so, well, I'm going to be very brief on that. Uh, because my, my main prescription, in a way, for, well, or suggestion for per- like recipes for success uh, for, you know, for all the listeners and viewers is to stick with the right people, to stick with the right people all around. And, uh, and it does not, does not necessarily mean like your friends alone, right? But whatever you're dealing with, if it's, uh, if it's well, crypto, then you need to choose the right people, choose the right places to go, choose the right exchanges, choose the right, you know, apps to use and so on and so forth, right? And uh, well, only, only this way, only this way, well, first of all, you're not going to be well, trapped in multiple traps that, well, uh, the studying people uh, tend to meet in a way for being scammed here and there or just taking part in some scam giveaways or joining some scam communities or like, you know, send me Bitcoin and I'll send you two and they never come back and so on and so forth, right? It's hilarious and, well, hilarious. Actually, it's, it's I would say, very sad. But uh, it's hilarious only when you look at it, you know, from in, in the hindsight and like from the from the time perspective, sticking with the right people and the right names, the right brands is what you're definitely going to need to, first of all, to survive and to grow on your on your journey, to, to grow for your for your journey. And well, all I can say, all I can say is, you know, Matei and Tess, well, we've been friends for some time already. All I can say is these are the good people to stick with, too. <laughs> well, I, I imagine that your listeners like money too. And uh, so if any of them would like to sign up for Voyager, we're happy to give them $25 in free Bitcoin once they complete their first trade of $100 or more. So um, we'll go ahead and uh, get that set up for you guys. And uh, it'll be benefit too. Uh, we can probably, I think we might even have a promo code, but uh, I'll create another one because I can't look it up in this moment. Uh, and you can use uh, promo code BURB. So go ahead and do that. You guys can get $25 in free Bitcoin. We're happy to go ahead and give that to your audience when they sign up for Voyager as well. Thank you so much for that, Amateo. I know our our audience appreciates that deeply. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. We invite you to connect with our guests on Twitter, where progress of the Voyager app can be found at Invest Voyager. Adrian is at CryptoBurb, and I am at BenjaminT1717. Again, we want to thank our sponsors at PrimeXBT for their support of the show and for their support of our listeners. Once again, after signing up to trade at theburbnest.com slash PrimeXBT, be sure to follow up on the announcement channel of our Discord. Discord and learn how to capitalize on their generous trading bonus offer that they've exclusively made available to our community. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbnest.com discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestshow at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you, and trade on.